Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Yes, it is. Welcome back. Friday, April 8th, 2022. And regarding the nomination and confirmation vote of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, Gloria Borger was on CNN yesterday lamenting the disrespect Republicans showed Judge Jackson. President Joe Biden accused Republicans of abusing Judge Jackson, saying today, quote, I have to tell you what Judge Jackson was put through was well Beyond decent, it was verbal abuse, the anger, the constant interruptions, the most vile and baseless assertions and accusations, close quote. Interestingly, two weeks ago, he said he hadn't watched any of the hearings. Will the Washington Post score him for lying either then or today? And of course, that the vote was not unanimous is also bothering the left in the media. Charles Cook put it this way, quote, it's apparently awful that only five Republicans voted for Kagan, but unmentioned that fewer Democrats voted for Gorsuch, Kavanaugh and Amy Comey Barrett. Thomas doesn't come up. Kavanaugh is ignored. All Democratic nominees must sail through. But Republican nominees are fair game. Lunacy. And, of course, only three Republicans voting for Jackson. Of course, Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas were not verbally abused, were they? No, of course not. And who presided over the Thomas hearings? Joe Biden. Same for Robert Bork. No verbal abuse there. Just accusing him, as Ted Kennedy did, this way. Anyone remember this? Let me quote Ted Kennedy. Robert Bork's America is a land in which women should be forced into back alley abortions. Blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters. Rogue police would break down citizens' doors in midnight raids. School children would not be taught about evolution. Writers and artists would be censored at the whim of government. And the doors of the federal courts would be shut on the fingers of millions of citizens for whom the judiciary is often the only protector of the individual rights that are at the heart of our democracy, close quote. That was Ted Kennedy on Robert Robert Bork. Not considered verbal abuse, evidently, because it was so profligately circulated, that quote. And this scholar, Robert Bork, who wrote some of the most cited law review articles that existed in academia up until that point and sat on the D.C. Circuit Court and taught at Yale, was voted down. Why? Republican. Why? Conservative. Why? Doesn't see the courts or the judiciary or the interpretation of the Constitution the same way as those who were educated in the 1960s, and rather sees the Constitution and the role of the judiciary as something a little more important and fixed than an outcome-based philosophy that is based on, quote, penumbras formed by emanations from the Bill of Rights that help give them life and substance, close quote. That's Supreme Court Justice Douglas in the precursor case to Roe versus Wade. The Constitution should be read to have penumbras formed by emanations. 
Why didn't James Madison think of that and save himself a lot of work? For with enough penumbras and emanations, you really don't need a constitution of any kind at all, do you? Penumbra meaning a place of partial darkness from the word umbra or shaded. And an emanation, something that flows usually outward. It's the same philosophy that in another abortion case would vouchsafe this verbiage into Supreme Court doctrine. Quote, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Close quote. Three Supreme Court justices signed on to that line. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life, close quote. Boy, you put the right of everyone to define their own concept of existence and meaning of the universe and life based on shaded flowings from the Bill of Rights, and you can do anything. And the courts have. <clears throat> Which is why it was more than passingly important to me that Judge Brown Jackson would not define what a woman was. Who is she to do so? Anyone can define themselves any way they want, which is not just the end of law, quite frankly. It's the end of man or civilization. But damned if Republicans aren't wrong for voting against that or anyone who understands words actually do mean things because that is a judge's job, interpreting words. Why bother if they don't mean anything? So if you sometimes wonder how we get to this point in life, the point in life we are at, a couple observations. If respect is what seemed to be lacking for Judge Brown Jackson, maybe there would have been more if she could muster up what every five-year-old knew until a year ago and just say, yes, of course I know what a woman is. But for her to say that would mean she could not be down with birthing persons and men menstruating and the rights of the recently born to change their genders or for schools to teach that they may. It would mean only women could play in women's sports and use women's bathrooms. Maybe if the president who nominated her picked her for her qualifications and not because she wasn't an Asian, a man, a Jew, or an Hispanic as the first qualification, maybe there'd be more respect for her there, too. And maybe if we knew the president who selected her was a man of conscience or just conscientiousness, she'd also be more respected. I mean, here's a serious question. Do you think if at any given moment this weekend someone asked Joe Biden the name of the justice he just put on the court, he could give you that name? Most people I asked today said 50-50. Think about that. A portion of Americans actually thinking that the current president would have a struggle recalling the name of someone he just put on the court. You think that's astoundingly impossible? Ask yourself how many times, including this past week, the president confused his wife with the vice president. Five, by my count, since he's been sworn in. But there's a philosophical and categorical problem here, too. Just on the front of words, be they in the Constitution, a statute, or a division of the NCAA, or bathroom. I said above, the erasure of all meaning of words is not just an end to law, but civilization. You think I'm stretching the point? You think I'm being too strong? Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote it up this way, quote, A man's power to connect his thought with its proper symbol, and so to utter it, depends on the simplicity of his character, that is, upon his love of truth and his desire to communicate truth without loss. The corruption of man is followed by the corruption of language. That's worth repeating. 
A man's power to connect his thought with its proper symbol and so to utter it depends on the simplicity of his character, that is, upon his love of truth and his desire to communicate truth without loss. The corruption of man is followed by the corruption of language. Close quote. You corrupt our language, you corrupt man. Jesse Jackson, before he went woke, understood this well, as did every civil rights leader. You take a black man and give him another name. One thinks of the odious N-word. You can then put him in a class other man, uh, other than man and do odious things to him, just as the Nazis did with Jews or communists with the enemies of the revolution or those born into the wrong class. You can even diagnose them as psychiatrically unfit. Unfit. Leben swerts Leben. A fetus will do instead of a baby for this purpose. It didn't used to be this way, which is why college students used to get dictionaries as gifts when they were graduating from high school. Did you get one? I did. My favorite is from the 1960s with an introduction by S.I. Hayakawa. Anyone remember him? Conservative Republican senator from California and a professor of linguistics before that. One of Reagan's favorite senators. But in any event, it didn't used to be this way. Consider the lecture, the lecture on the miracle of the common noun Harry Jaffa liked to deliver. He said, the fact that the form of a thing can be separated from its matter is the very heart of human understanding and human intelligence. Without this possibility... Modern science itself would not be possible because all science presupposes the detachment of the mind from its object as a condition of human speech about the object. Human speech about an object presupposes that we employ common nouns. To say, for example, that what I'm sitting in is a chair implies that there is an infinite number of possible chairs, each different from the one I'm pointing to or sitting in, and yet they are all equally chairs. The mind has abstracted the idea of the chairs from the visible forms of particular chairs, just as the eye abstracted the visible forms from their matter. Test me. When I said chair, you and the audience knew what I was talking about, and yet you all probably had a vision of some different kind of chair from each other. But we all know what I was meaning in saying the word chair. Only when we see that there is an infinite variety of possible human beings, each equally human, do we begin to understand the difference between the human and the non-human. There is no particular color, for example, that makes a chair a chair. Extrapolate that, same point, a human, a human. Once we remember this, then, only then can we see that men are not dogs or horses or gods, depending on their color or some other attribute of prejudice or immutability. And then and only then can the moral function of human intelligence begin to work. A philosophy or psychology that denies the metaphysical freedom of the mind that was axiomatic for Thomas Jefferson can form no part of a liberal education, for liberal education means education in freedom and for freedom. It means education in the metaphysical reality of such a universe as the Declaration of Independence proclaims. This is a universe whose purposes are real because if we think about it, we participate in those purposes every time we think. And because we know we can think, we know we can think about right and wrong and good and evil. And this is why words must lose their meaning and everything must be redefined. 
Once upon a time, it was the denial of the class of humanity to people based on their heritage. Now it is a denial of nearly anything the progressives dream up, and you don't need the Wolf's Dictionary, as Abraham Lincoln called the slave master's definitions of freedom. They had definitions of freedom, too, after all. You just need modern constitutional jurisprudence, which, oddly enough, in a constitutional republic, no longer cares about the Constitution part because it can reach to its penumbras and give everyone their own definition of right and wrong, their own definition of being. You now then need 331 million Wolf's dictionaries, one might say. And soon you realize it's not just a constitutional republic you're missing. It's anything like a country that takes seriously its own name, especially if the word united is in it. Maybe that's why we have two national anthems now or a man in the White House who speaks absurdities as if we are supposed to accept them because too many do in the name of just justifying the ideology behind it. Or maybe that's why we have a Supreme Court justice that refuses to acknowledge what a woman is. All while we're supposed to be proud of and respectful of this justice for being the first black woman on the Supreme Court. But consider, as we rightfully take pride that this is a country where anyone can become anything, if Ketanji Brown Jackson denies knowledge of what a woman is, she's also denying knowledge of what a man is. And if she denies such, she is denying the very ground upon which we fought reducing some humans to the status of non-human. In other words, she is denying the very ground upon which she herself has thrived and succeeded as you and I have. She is denying the very grounds Lincoln would fight the Civil War upon, whereas if he was wrong, we might have still had a country portions of which used to think some humans who share her characteristics were slated to be slaves, which is the same ground that Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, and present-day China operate upon. We used to think relativism was a philosophy that could not distinguish between right and wrong. Who guessed it would take such a hold that it can be instituted in the highest court in the land where we can no longer distinguish between man and woman, which eliminated the most fundamental of all our causes, a different N word, nature. You know, the very thing whose laws we founded our country upon. So that in the end is how you lose this country is how we have been watching it. We watched it all unfold in real time, or all of us did except the president of the United States, over the course of about four weeks. Oh, it took decades to shape, but just this past month has been quite the crescendo. Our duty is to fight it from becoming a climax. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. You bet, Open Lines Friday. Uh, we'll have a couple guests, but anything you want to weigh in on. Uh, Ariel Davidson is going to be a guest of ours in the third hour, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite commentators on social and international issues. She's broadly educated and experienced in these things. Boy, is she ever. Uh, undergraduate degree in Russian law degree, international law all kinds of social things. She, In fact, while I'm, all, while I'm mentioning her, let me just extend some thoughts from my monologue about the whole issue of not defining what a woman is as part of, parcel of the whole tra- part and parcel of the whole transgender debate. 
I was speaking of earlier. Uh, did you hear Jen Psaki uh, yesterday? Jen Psaki uh, is the, I guess now outgoing, but still employed at the White House press secretary, uh, talking about uh, Republicans versus Democrats when it comes to the whole issue of transgender issues and our children. Uh, just catch a little bit of this uh, with me for a moment, if you will. Uh, across the country. As we've talked about a bit in here, Republican elected officials are engaging in a disturbing, cynical trend of attacking vulnerable transgender kids for purely partisan political reasons. Let me hold that just for a second. Do you know any Republicans who are targeting kids? I don't. I don't know any Republicans who are targeting transgender kids. What do you think the use of that word targeting must mean? Policies? Policies about what adults shall and shall not do? Is that what she's talking about? That's not Republicans targeting kids, but you get the point she's trying to make because it's the point she wants you to get to think. But this is what George Orwell meant when he talked about politics in the English language and its abuse. Let me let her continue. Today in Alabama, instead of focusing on critical kitchen table issues like the economy, COVID, or addressing the country's mental health crisis, Republican lawmakers are currently debating legislation that, among many things, would target trans use with tactics that threatens to put pediatricians in... Oh, my gosh. Kitchen table issues? Instead of talking about kitchen table issues like COVID and the economy, does this explain your 20-page report from the White House earlier this week on what the federal government is doing for the transgender community? Did you see the fact the fact sheet from the White House? I, 20 may be an undercount. It involves almost every agency of the federal government. It's titled Biden-Harris Administration Advances Equality and Visibility for Transgender Americans. Who's taking over table ki- kitchen table issues like the economy and COVID and international relations? Of course, the State Department is also invoked in this memorandum from the White House. Yes, while not being busy with Russia and Ukraine, the State Department is announcing that beginning on April 11th, 2022, all U.S. citizens will be able to select an X as their gender marker on their U.S. passport. And then it goes on from there. And then it has a bullet on the Department of Homeland Security and screening technology. Who knew screening technology had to be invoked here? And airline partnerships being enhanced and streamlining identity validations and other TSA pre-check and CPB trusted traveler programs enrolling in these programs. Oh, my gosh. It goes on and on through every part of what is considered the Federal Register. And Republicans are the ones who are making this more of an issue than it should be. I'm not nearly done with this issue. Not nearly. I have more to say when we come back. We'll be right back. Someone should ask Trini Lopez what a hammer is, see if he can define one without being a carpenter. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies, pure, potent plant power, the only whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar, 100% natural, just pure fruits and vegetables and really good stuff. 16 whole fruits, 15 whole vegetables using vine-ripened produce, third-party tested for bacteria, pesticides, heavy metals, you name it. 
gluten-free, non-GMO, and as I say, contains no added chemicals or anything, nothing. It is 100% natural. I take it every day to keep my immunity boosted and my health in the best shape I possibly can. Maintain your health, improve your health with balance of nature. Use their fruits and veggies, but if you order them at balanceofnature.com, as I'm suggesting, recommending, endorsing, make sure to use discount code BALANCE. That's discount code BALANCE. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. Happy Friday to you. And to you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I uh, am calling because your uh, monologue was outstanding. Thank you. And uh, my purpose for calling in regards to the monologue is uh, I've got a, got a question for you. Sure. <clears throat> um, I uh, have been listening and thankfully have heard um, uh, a couple of our representatives uh, speak out about her and how, you know, how um, radical she is. But uh, one of the things that disturbed me was uh, hearing President Biden yesterday, I believe it was, say that now that she's been appointed to the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court uh, uh, more closely reflects uh, our culture or our nation or whatever it is. And I'm thinking to myself, that is just a that's that's absolutely false. And my question for you uh, and I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Have we ever, in our over 200-year history, had a more radical Supreme Court justice, one who just uh, seems to completely disregard the Constitution and disregard law, as she did in the case of those uh, uh, the pedophiles, uh, and and other things that she's done. Great uh, question. Yeah, thank you, Rick. Uh, great, great, great question. Um, and the answer is, I think the way you put it, the answer is no. The answer is no. We have never had this radical of a Supreme Court. The whole notion of um, immutable characteristics, that is to say unchangeable characteristics, uh, comes to us from a Supreme Court case in uh, the early 70s, 1971, I believe. And it's an opinion that was uh, written by William Brennan and Thurgood Marshall. And they talk about a woman having an immutable characteristic. It's a case about civil rights and, uh, and, and female claims for civil rights, equal treatment for women under our civil rights laws. And they mention themselves, women, excuse me, gender like race, is an immutable characteristic, giving this woman in the case her full and equal rights. Well, as every student who ever graduated law school knows and as most observers would recognize up until about a few years ago, William Brennan and Thurgood Marshall were the most liberal members of the Supreme Court in its history. In its history. They were the most liberal members of the Supreme Court in its history. They recognized not only what a woman was, but that it was an unchangeable characteristic for the point of giving women equal protection of the law, for the point of giving women what they deserved, which is equal recognition, equal footing under our civil rights laws, the Commerce Clause, including also the 14th Amendment.
extension. So when you ask, has there ever been a more radical, for those that thought Brennan and Thurgood Marshall were radical, you ain't seen nothing yet. And they would not recognize, they would not recognize what Ketanji Brown Jackson said in her confirmation hearings. And I'm going to bet they wouldn't recognize what she writes in her opinions. No, we have never had this radical of a nominee to the Supreme Court. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Yeah, that's going to be a great event. Let me repeat in case you missed it. Uh, we're doing an intimate evening with uh, Larry Elder Tuesday, May 3rd. Uh, so it's coming right up, and we're keeping it super small to just 75 folks. We wanted to do that, as the guy said, to maximize interaction and attention um, and uh, uh, his attention to you and interaction with him. So it's uh, just for 75 people. It's at a local home here, Larry Elder, an evening with Larry Elder, Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Tickets are flying. They're moving fast. We've, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose or not. Well, anyway, too late. Uh, we've already sold out the dinner portion, but the speaking and uh, interaction portion is 75 people. We still have a few left. 960thepatriot.com. That's 960thepatriot.com for our evening with Larry Elder. All right. Where am I going to next? Rob, in surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, Seth. I am. Uh... You know, I've been thinking about this a while, and uh, the you know we we tend we uh, collectively uh, tend to focus on uh, minutia and and little things that do add up. And I, I go back to uh, my Hillsdale College course on the Constitution, um, where they do spend a lot of time talking about you know the founders, natural law, natural rights, and the purpose behind our Constitution, which was, you know, really protection of U.S. citizens uh, with, uh, you know, life, liberty, to the happiness, property, ownership, and, and so forth. Um, and I, I look at what seems to be going on around here, and this latest Supreme Court justice is no exception. Um, unless I'm missing something, I mean, I look at the Constitution as a sort of protective document for U.S. citizens, U.S. citizen individuals, and I just don't see, well, the administration and anybody uh, with a D after their name um, really going uh, full bore at protecting American citizens. You know, you look at, you know, cutting the police force, you're looking at allowing, uh, you know, riots, damage, arson, uh, murders. You look at the court, the uh, courts letting people go uh, the very next day from crimes. Uh, that's not protecting the open border, of course, and that's not protecting uh, the American citizen. Unless I'm wrong, I don't know. It's a tough. I don't know. It, it's sort of a tough, loaded question. Where uh, you know we focus a lot on Ukraine. We focus a lot on whatever the crisis du jour is, but we, we tend to forget that the whole idea of having government and what the role of government is, is, and this is both at the federal and the state level, uh, you know, protecting ind individual rights, individual freedom, uh, and individual, uh, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and that sort of thing. 
Or am I wrong? No, I think you're right. And let me try and be as responsive as I can and let you follow up if, if I'm not addressing it. But if you look at the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or both, ideally, um, as, 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 part of a, as part of a whole, of course individual rights are what we are here to protect. Look at the preamble to the Constitution. Uh, what is the point of forming a more perfect union to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, common defense, general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our, and our posterity, Right. All of this is about protecting individuals. It's all about protecting individuals. And so, you know, I I have an ongoing gripe debate with members of the conservative movement, I suppose. It's fair to say that um, that when they talk about – I don't want them to make too much of a fetish of the notion of states' rights. Yes, they're there. Of course they're there. Yes, we know what the right. Tenth Amendment is, but notice what the entirety of the Tenth Amendment reads. It also says of the people, we didn't found this country to protect states' rights. We protected the entire right. warp and woof. The entire edifice of our founding was to protect individual rights. It's individual exactly. rights that we were founded for. And that's That's why we put limits onto the government. That's why we have breakdowns over power. That's why we have separation of powers. That's why James Madison was concerned about faction. That's why the Federalist Papers speak to the roles of each part of the government. It's not because we're here to protect one of the institutions, be they a state or an element of the federal government. It's to protect the people. We the people. That's what this thing is about. We who hold these truths to be self-evident, the same we in the Declaration is the same we in the Constitution. And we is about people, not departments, not institutions. Is that a start to your Amen. question? I don't know if it is. Start to the answer yeah, actually, to your question. Actually, okay. it does. But, and, and again, it applies to a lot of things that you know, are, are big topics with you, like the schools, what's being taught in schools, what they're trying to teach in schools, be it CRT or the whole transgender uh, you know, Billy has two mommies, and that's not protecting an individual, especially a child. And then, of course, the, the whole teaching of CRT in the military, and my obviously my big pet peeve about uh, military readiness to taking a back seat to uh, a lot of this other mishmash of, of, of social engineering. Uh-huh. Um, that's not protecting the individual either. Mm-hmm. Either in or out of uniform. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're on the same page. If you I consider just, that the I military's point is to protect us, that's exactly right. The military's point is not that's to right. be uh, an adjunct or night school of the Harvard Sociology Department. That's exactly right. <laughs> we already have that what? replicated yeah, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of faculty, uh, hundreds through hundreds and hundreds of faculty departments throughout the country. We don't need the military that's for that. No. No, we, we have a purpose to a military, and I fear that between the public school system, the teachers' unions, and the military, and those in charge, in particular civilian and military at the senior levels, um, they either have forgotten or they've drunk the Kool-Aid and uh, in order, I guess, for personal reasons, or maybe they do. Isn't it true of all government now, though? I mean, Rob, in the sense yeah. that, I mean, if you think of 
the government's role, particularly the federal government's role and what the founders said about it, which that its powers were to be few and defined, isn't, 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 it, isn't it interesting that the things we were supposed to do we can't do, the few and defined yeah. things we were supposed to do we are unable to do, protect our border, ensure domestic tranquility, and we have seen all that lapse as we're focusing on all these other things. That's why I'm so angry about Jen Psaki's use of the word, um, uh, use of the phrase uh, kitchen table issues. They're the ones that made it a kitchen table issue, not us, not us. That's exactly right. That's right. They start the war, we fire back, and they blame us for engaging. I got to hit the quick break here, Rob. Bless you, sir, and thank you, as always, for your service. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, I was uh, I, I wanted to talk more about this kitchen table business that Jen Psaki was talking about and how Republicans, uh, by fighting back against this transgender effort, uh, is, 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 is ignoring the kitchen table issues that people care about. Um, and I think the best thing to read on it, the best thing to read on it, is Abigail Schreier's work at Substack. She has a brand new piece, actually, titled Not a Kitchen Table Issue. She says... Um, uh, she quotes Jen Psaki, quote, instead of focusing on critical kitchen table issues like the economy, COVID or addressing the country's mental health crisis. We played the audio earlier. Republican lawmakers are currently debating legislation that would target transgender youth with tactics that threaten to put pediatricians in prison if they provide medically necessary life saving care for the kids they serve. Close quote. Life saving care. Surely she must mean insulin and antibiotics. Nope. She means gender affirming care, that devilish euphemism for puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and experimental surgeries whose benefits are unproven, but whose risks, permanent sexual dysfunction, infertility, cardiac events, and endometrial cancer are a few, ought to nudge any doctor toward soul-searching. As I've written many times, Abigail Schreier writes, and she has hot links to all of them or hyperlinks to all of them. These treatments are often recklessly administered of questionable benefit to children and attended by forbidding risks. For these reasons, in just the last two years, gender clinics throughout France, the United Kingdom, Sweden and Finland, hyperlinks to all of this, have all reevaluate, reevaluated and curtailed their use. Keep that in mind. As the countries that have been out front on this before us have learned to curtail it, to cabin it, to reduce it, to stop this runaway train, we are feeding the coals in the engine of this locomotive, of this locomotive. There is, in fact, no proof that affirmative care improves the mental health of gender dysphoric youth long term, much less that its interventions are life saving. And there's an outstanding recent paper in the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy just out. She has a hot link to that, which goes in to the lies that Jen Psaki is trying to peddle, pend, and say, oh, boy, she'll fit right in at MSNBC. She'll fit right in. Let's get her there quickly, shall we? 
Let's put her on that fast-moving train. I'm Seth Liebson. We will be right back.